Hello, friends. Welcome once again. This is Syracuse Sports, presented by Krause Health, the exclusive health care provider for Syracuse Athletics. Brent Dax, Chris Carlson with us this time, ladies and gentlemen, and in the ever-fast-moving hamster wheel that is the Syracuse football coaching search. We got some stuff to talk about here, friends, including a great story that Chris is going to have on Syracuse.com on Tuesday, which fills in a lot of the blanks and a lot of the descriptions about what this Syracuse football job is in the here and now of 2023 and who takes that job and what exactly they're going to be walking into. I mentioned this in a pod that Emily and I did earlier on Monday, Chris, and it's worth reiterating here. Things are moving very fast. So who knows when what we say expires is I'll, I'll make the reference again that I made with Emily. It's like putting a glass of milk on the counter. Like you might be able to drink that an hour or two later, but I wouldn't wait much longer than that. So we'll see how things evolve here, but let me just start with, as we speak here, Chris and I are recording this at about nine 20 on Monday night. Okay. Pete Thamel was on ACC PM on Monday afternoon and reported that Syracuse is pretty much down to three candidates. Those three candidates are Bob Chesney from Holy Cross, who I have said from the beginning was a candidate, and I felt like was a favorite and has made it this far down the road. Jason Candle, the head coach at Toledo, who is coaching in the MAC championship game. We should know it on Saturday, and that's complicated. Now, when they hired Dino Babers, it was the exact same scenario, but the transfer portal didn't exist then, a 24 to 36 hour window of a name coming out that Pete Thamel also said on ACCPM might complicate Jason Candle, but he is in the final three. And the most intriguing name here, Chris, is Fran Brown, defensive backs coach at Georgia, coached with Nunzio Campanelli at Rutgers. He is noted as one of the best recruiters in college football. He does have some experience. We'll get into a little bit more of his resume here in a second. And what I can tell you is I talked to a source who has direct knowledge of the situation. Fran Brown interviewed with John Wildhack in Atlanta on Sunday and has had, as it's been reported to me, several phone conversations with John Wildhack, including today. Bruce Feldman of The Athletic, shortly before we started recording this, said that Fran Brown, and I'll just read Bruce's tweet here so we do not uh, misquote him, Bruce Feldman from The Athletic, a guest on this podcast last week, by the way, saying that Fran Brown, who is a New Jersey native, has emerged as the top target for the Syracuse head coaching vacancy. Brown is 40 years old, ranked as the nation's number one recruiter for the 2024 signing class by 247 Sports. So, Chris, it feels like this plane's about to land, and it's going to be one of those three names mentioned, and Fran Brown appears to be the front runner. How are you taking all this in? Um. I think all three carry risk, all three carry reward, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think you can sort of pick holes in anybody's resume. I think you can find a reason to get excited about any of the three. Um, I think Fran Brown is the, for, for, I think John Wildhack has made mostly safe hires over the course of his career here. And I think Fran Brown is the riskiest choice he could have made, not the wrong choice but sort of right jason candle has run a program um and succeeded at a high level in the mac 
Um, at worst, maybe he's Dino Babers, right? You know, Dino was a Mac coach who did very well. Dave Clawson was a Mac coach who did very well. Dave Doran is a Mac coach that did very well. You sort of know, you know, he's probably not going to totally belly flop on you. Um, but he might not be great, right? Um, you know, you, you got Bob Chesney from Holy Cross. Again, he's, he's run three programs. Um, he's elevated them all. He would be taking a huge step up in competition um, from the FCS to the FBS if he were to make the move. Um, but again, as a guy that's, that's run programs, um, you know, John even said himself uh, at his press conference when he discussed the credentials of candidates, um, we could take a position coach, but that would be a very big jump. And he is taking the guy that is making, or shouldn't say that. It looks like, according to the national experts, that the front runner is the guy who would be making a very big jump in terms of position. That's a big leap. Now, Fran Brown does have some, not a lot, of coordinator experience, which, as you noted, Wild Hack put out there as a qualification but at his press conference. Five, right? So, defensive backs coach at Georgia, assistant head coach at Baylor, and assistant head coach, co-defensive coordinator at Temple. He was on the Rutgers coaching staff, as we mentioned with Campanelli, as a defensive backs coach. So it feels like what they're going for here, Chris, is the recruiting aspect of this. He is noted as one of the top recruiters in the country from Jersey, has those Northeast roots, which Wild Hack also noted he would want. I would take a big leap of faith that Nunzio Campanelli would be kept on this staff at Syracuse. And remember, Wild Hack noted that one of the reasons they picked Nunzio Campanelli to be the interim coach was not only that he's done it before, but because of his New Jersey recruiting connections to kind of maintain that. The portal opens on December 4th. Signing day is it's technically early signing day, but we all know it's kind of signing day now, December 20th, right? You land the plane. Let's say you announce Fran Brown on Tuesday, and you can hold on to some of those players that are committed to Nunzio Campanelli. They both know New Jersey and the Northeast and can make that connection. But you're making the biggest leap in terms of somebody who has not run a program, which, by the way, Doug Marone was not a head coach before he was a head coach. Scott Schaefer was not a head coach before he was a head coach. you got to elevate yourself to that position. Start somewhere. you got to start somewhere, which is something we've talked about through this process. People were all uh, just up, up in arms about Dan Mullen, and I get it with Dan Mullen in some ways because of the resume he brings but there's also a reason dan mullen's available right now so just because if anything we know and seen what he has done at mississippi state in florida and you could say well i can i can judge that and maybe go a different direction chesney has won five straight patriot league titles has proven he can win at several levels of college football runs a program young guy energetic guy 44 years old as is fran brown by the way who's 40 he's the youngest of the candidates speaking of the leap that you're taking here now they're all uh Makes me happy, Chris, because they're all in my age range. You know, we got we got 44 years old at Jason Candle. We got 46, uh, I believe, Bob Chesney is, and we've got 40 at Fran Brown. So clearly, Wild Hack had that in mind. Let's go a little younger here and make that connection to the players and recruits and the transfers coming up here. Chesney I- and Candle, you said it, have run programs. They know how to do it. Fran Brown would be learning on the job as a head coach, but he's also... And look, Chris, I think it's fair to ask, are you a great recruiter because you're at Georgia? Or 
did Georgia bring you on? Because you are a great recruiter. Great recruiters are great recruiters everywhere, right? I'd love to have the resources of Georgia, as would anybody. But he has won several of those awards. He was one of the best recruiters in the American Athletic Conference, I believe, one in, in 2014, 2015. He has built his bones and worked his way up as a coach as a recruiter, right? So he's going to get that opportunity to do that. How do you build a program, even in the age of NIL and the transfer portal, you still got to recruit. Yeah. When I say risky, right. Uh, like we're talking big swing and miss, like also potential for a big home run. So sure. not, when I say risky, I'm not saying bad, like, like going after the, you know, football is a game of recruits and, and going after one of the best recruiters in the country is, is, is it a big swing. Um, and, you know, sort of cool to see Syracuse maybe taking a big swing if, if he is the guy. Um, you know, like you said, he's recruited at multiple places. Um, he has a reputation for just being a really powerful personality, um, very charismatic. His backstory um, is really powerful. Um, you know, he's a, a young man who, you know, he overcame sort of poverty and adversity um, on his way um, to making his career. Camden is a difficult place to sort of grow up if you listen to some of the Syracuse guys that are from Camden. Um you know, so so I do think, yeah, he is a guy that is going to be able to recruit anywhere. I, I don't think that is a Georgia thing. I, I think that is a Fran Brown thing. I think we can certainly say, I agree with that. Safely yeah. say that 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 he's going to be able to. He earned that Georgia game as well as he could probably that. recruit at Syracuse. Now there is a question. Now that is a question, though. Should be duly noted, Chris. Earlier Monday, Elijah Clark, Jersey guy, tweeted, "When's the last time?" the San Francisco 49ers played the Cleveland Browns. And in that tweet, which I would show you as a a screenshot, but he deleted it, but I saw it and I remember it. In that tweet, the words Fran and Brown were caps. So obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, maybe maybe Elijah Clark knew something here. Yeah. Now, he maybe he was reacting it. to what he saw on social media. It could be yeah. a number of things here. And he did delete it, which is notable. Somebody tapped him on the shoulder and said, or maybe he realized, like, maybe I shouldn't do that. But you mentioned the Jersey connection there. So he obviously knows Coach Brown and the Jersey connections there and Campanelli. And, you know, you just kind of lick your finger and stick it in the air here. And at least there's, there's something to that, right? Mm-hmm. So that is... That is one of the, right. I, I talked to a, a bunch of experts today about the Syracuse coaching job. Um, and we talk about recruiting footprint, right? Um, Syracuse is not the best. Um, but one of the things multiple people said as a benefit of the, one of the good things about Syracuse is you can like dominate your region um, or at least come close, right? Penn state is here too, but like you can run the Northeast if you're Syracuse, which is different than Duke. It is different than Wake Forest. That They are always going to get, you know, third and fourth help pickings from their area. Syracuse can get the best players from New Jersey. You know, they, they can be right there with Penn State. That is They've done it before. Of, that is one of the strong, that is one of the pluses that, in terms of why a coach would want to coach at Syracuse, that possibility. Chris, you know this. Paul Pasqualoni and George DeLeon were royalty in that state. Those guys could walk into Jersey. They knew every high school coach. 
that several players came from New Jersey. Now, you still are sending players from that state to Penn State and some of the Northeast powers, don't get me wrong. But that is so big. So you have Nunzio Campanelli, who was Mr. New Jersey, and knows every you know exit off the Jersey turnpike and where to go. If it's Fran Brown, as, he, as we speak, seems to be emerging as the front runner here. Same deal. So that's a it's and it's that six hour window, Chris. You may know New Jersey, and that's one state, and that's big, as Tommy DeVito is proving as the quarterback for the New York Giants right now. What a story that is. But that northeast, there it is. Yep, that northeast recruiting ground, the six hour window. They know where to go in all of those places. Now I'll say this: so does Bob Chesney. Bob Chesney has a number of northeast connections. It's not easy to build a five time Patriot League champion in that you know the Patriot League is not the ACC I understand that but think how good of a football coach you have to be and Chris here's here's what this comes down to and the choice that Wild Hack is making and no offense to Jason Candle who we should talk about because he was one of the final three but this kind of feels like it's down to Brown or Chesney and Brown seems to be emerging as the front runner okay but what was the chief complaint about Dino Babers at the end of the day Game day football coach. Game management. Game management. Bob Chesney's a hell of a football coach. I know I can say that. I can look at the record. I can look at the championships. I can look at him elevating up the ranks. He just needs somebody to take a chance on him in the Power Five, as Lance Leopold needed and a couple of other coaches that have come up those rankings. I feel like you need that, okay? And everything else could be built around it. With Fran Brown, he's got to prove that. He does. But what you're building on is getting the talent to do that. It's a chicken or the egg thing. Is it the coach or is it the players, right? right. right. With Fran Brown, you're taking the bet that we get the players, me as a coach, and the staff that I will have around me take care of that. With Chesney, the bet you're making is the coach and everything else that has to be built around and who he brings in to do all this. It's an interesting choice. And it's like you said, there's a risk and a reward either way. With any candidate, but with those two, you're choosing, I think, between an established coach and somebody who's ready to be a coach, but is one hell of a recruiter. I think you're right. I mean, one of the one of the uh, most interesting things that I heard, sort of over the talk today, talking to, you know, um, talking to agents, talking to people that run coaching searches, um, they said whoever the person is, like, this is hard as fans, but do not overreact to the name because what matters as much as who they are is the staff that they are going to put around them. Huge. So, right, if, if you're worried about game management with Fran, legitimate worry, you know, in terms of how, you know, experienced he is. But he has a chance to, you know, answer a lot of that, depending on which what coordinators he hires, um, how he sets up the staff to help him through any sort of game day decisions, um, how he works that, um, you know, he has an opportunity to, to sort of, you know, recognize, Hey, that might be a challenge for me. And I'm going to bring in people that can help me, you know, through the things that I might struggle with as, as a rookie coach. Um, you know, so, so if it is him, you know, his staff is going to be a very, very interesting part of that. Chris, you can add to this too, based on the story that you wrote, knowing what the resources are, knowing what the job is, frankly, the way this turned out and look, Hindsight being 2020, I know this sounds after the fact. I just, Dan Mullen, like, I never got across the finish line on Dan Mullen. And obviously, we didn't get there. 
clearly he was looked at clearly we don't know this for sure but i would imagine he talked to wild hack i don't think we would have got that far down the road without somebody like either denying it or and that's what uh dan mullen did today he said i'm not the guy right but they're just felt like something was off with Mullen. And I think what was off was exactly what we're talking about here. He just would have cost too much money. Not only him, but whatever staff he wanted to bring in. Let's face it, with either Chesney or Fran Brown, look, they're going to be paid well. They're going to be paid, I would imagine, at least what Dino Babers was paid. I don't think you can go below that. But what do you think about what it's, and it's not just what you pay the head coach, Chris. It's based on what you just said. What, the resources you have for the staff, NIL is certainly in the conversation it's one of those things that has to be considered right but just this, this the budget for the staff from top to bottom in addition to the head coach what did you find out in reporting out that story is Syracuse there with that you know um it is difficult to know um because Syracuse is a private school exactly where they stand um but right, uh, Tony White. Tony White was their highest-paid assistant coach in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made a little bit more than seven hundred thousand dollars in total compensation. Um, you know that ranked. I'm trying to find it right now. You know it, it ranked outside of the top 100 assistant coaches in the country um, in, in terms of salary. Um, the only team in the ACC whose highest paid assistant coach made less money, uh, according to the 2023 numbers. So they, they can change a little bit. It's tough with private schools, but, but was Louisville. Um, so you look at that and you think, well, Syracuse's highest paid assistant coach doesn't really, he's lower, he's lower than the rest of the ACC. He's lower in the competition. So if, if you, if you're in a situation, right, if, if Syracuse, Syracuse has a certain amount they're going to put towards football. If they have to pay Dan Mullen, theoretically, you know, two million more than than Fran Brown, if that was you know what it was going to cost, well, that's two million dollars you can't spend on your staff. Um, so there is that trade off that has to be sort of taken into consideration um, when these decisions are, are are being made, and we don't know right. We don't know how serious Dan Mullen got. We don't know who decided no. Right. Uh, yeah. We don't know if he asked for too much. Right. But but no matter what, like that was it, that was it definitely a, a balance that had to be struck. And the more you pay the head coach, the less you pay your staff because there is a budget. Chris, I want to hear more about that story that you wrote and is going to be up on Syracuse.com on Tuesday, which is the structure of the Syracuse football job and all that it entails. But let's give some love to our Syracuse sports insiders, man. That text line has been Whew, there's smoke coming off that thing with all the great feedback and questions. And look, I, I'm going to be frank with you. That that Fran Brown stuff I was telling you about at the beginning of this pod came from the text line, and I'm just going to leave it at that. I so you guys are helping me. Text line. Put- I mean, let's go. <laughs> I help you, you help me. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. That's how this works, right? Let's see what our Syracuse Sports Insiders are saying. And if you want to become a Syracuse Sports Insider, there is no better time to be one. Just text the word orange to 315-847-3895. It's a two-week free trial. You can cancel anytime. It's just $3.99 a month after that. Direct access to me, my opinions first, news first. Your opinions get heard and get priority 
on this podcast and our Syracuse football and basketball postgame shows. And we just have a lot of fun. You can text me anytime about anything and I, I'll respond to you. And it's, it's just been a great back and forth, including as I told our Syracuse sports insiders that we were going to be doing this podcast. We knew what the three names were. Now it seems to be centering in on one, but here's what you guys said off the text line. Nate, love all those candidates. Glad it's more confirmed. The immediate pop for the program is Fran Brown. Probably keep a lot of guys we've lost previously in the portal. And Chris, you got to imagine that Fran Brown can bring some guys that we're going to go to Georgia and convince them like, Hey, listen, Georgia's great, but you want to get on the field right now? Come to Syracuse. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any doubt. You know, you're, you're not taking the best players from Georgia, right? Let, let, I, I don't, I don't think uh, as good a recruiter as Fran Brown is. I don't think he's taking the first stringers with him uh, <laughs> up here to Syracuse. But he's but bringing guys that recruit, can play, but the way they recruit, you know, if, if you're a guy who's a backup and you want to come start, uh, that's a, you know, that's going to be a pretty good player. That's going to help Syracuse out quite a bit. Juana Chesney is the text continue here since day one. I think he'd be a long-term solution. Stability can't really go wrong with any of those candidates, in my opinion. Brent, thanks so much. Been enjoying the texts. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Evan, I'd be nervous about Fran Brown. Game management is a huge deal, and his lack of a track record making big calls is concerning. We can't afford to get this one wrong. As far as Chesney, I'm a firm believer that guys who have, quote, it – are successful at any level, whether it's coaching or business. If you can coach, you can coach. If you can recruit, you can recruit. I can live with the lack of Power 5 experience. Sean ranks them this way. One, Candle. Two, Chesney. Three, Brown. Not impressed by any, to be honest, Brent. We need head coaching experience. Would prefer, at the very least, an FBS coach. And honestly, the fact that we're dipping into the FCS coaching pool is somewhat embarrassing. Have some issues with Candle. He doesn't have any coaching experience outside of Ohio, so he better bring in connections to other geographic areas if he gets the job. Christian, who has been one of our most active texters and love hearing from him, each of the candidates have pluses and minuses. I think I'd add to the list that in that list, I'd pick between Chesney and Brown for very different reasons. Chesney is a program builder. Brown is a spark that could make us relevant recruiting-wise and maybe nationally relevant, as Chris and I were just talking about with those two. Great thought there, Christian. Vern, for anyone that has a problem with an FCS coach coming to Syracuse, consider this. Coach Mack came from UMass. Coach P came from Southern Connecticut. I like Chesney. I see him hiring as catching a rising star. I also like Candle for many of the same reasons. They're young, talented, and full of potential. James notes this. I think they got to get this done by tomorrow at the latest. In regards to the names, I still want Chesney of those three. I am increasingly intrigued, though, by Fran Brown and his recruiting prowess, although I don't wonder how much of a bump comes from being at Georgia. I'm not really excited by Candle. And finally, from Greg J., who says, I'm totally against the Holy Cross and Toledo options. That's Chesney and Candle. Our track record with pseudo-Division I schools, i.e. Dino at Bowling Green, or, if you will, serious conference schools sucks. Let's open up the wallet and hire someone from a serious school or at least evaluate a coach with a track record against power football teams. Tired of guy who hasn't fought the real battles of upper echelon competition. Just stop. Think back 35 years ago when Syracuse finished fourth and had the Heisman runner-up. Let's at least try to find the right guy that can get us back on the road to being a football force, beating the likes of Penn State, Notre Dame, and Nebraska. So, you know, Greg goes a little old school, and Coach uh, Mack, 
who he's referring to, was an FCS coach through the level here. So fascinating times, Chris. So Fran Brown seems to have taken the lead. Bob Chesney is in the mix. Jason Candle's in the mix. Whoever takes this job. What were some of the other qualifications and things that stood out in reporting out your story about what the state of the Syracuse football job is in 2023? Yeah, well, you know, it, it was all about the conversation was largely like how attractive is, is this job um, at, at this point? And I, I think we have a, you know, we have we do have a little bit of a self-esteem problem here in central New York. You know, I, we do. People, I kept hearing who is going to want to take the Syracuse job? Who wants that job? And it's like, OK, like. You know, it's a power five job. It pays $4 million a year. And, you know, from, from talking to these folks, everybody's like, it's not the worst power five job. Okay. Like, like you're not getting Dabo. It's not the best, but it is, it is a place where you are. The head coaching salary is reasonable. Um, and you are working for an athletic director in a school that has proven to have very reasonable expectations. The biggest thing I heard over and over again um, was that, you know, you can go to Syracuse and you are going to get like a fair shot. Nobody is expecting you to win 10 games. Um, nobody is expecting you to be world beaters. You are playing in the ACC. You have a number of peer schools. You, you, you are on even footing with Wake Forest. You are on even footing with Boston College. You are on even footing with Georgia Tech. You are, you are even with everybody except Florida State and Clemson. Like you have a, a fair shot to, to win. Um, and you don't get that at, at a lot of jobs in the SEC. You don't get that at a lot of jobs in, in the Big Ten. So, so, yes, you might get paid a little bit more, but like, you're on the clock right away and you're fighting an uphill battle right away. And some of those things are true at Syracuse, but, but the patience they showed Dino like is meaningful um, to, to future candidates. Um, that is something that makes the job attractive. Um, you know, the, the thing that was sort of the biggest negative isn't going to surprise anybody who's listened to us. Uh, the NIL situation, you know, at least to this point, they've been behind. Um, and, you know, we've heard that they had some people step up. Uh, after the Dino news, um, there's some optimism that Syracuse will eventually sort of, you know, has the resources to become sort of a middle of the pack ACC program in terms of NIL. Um, but but right now they're behind. And, and that is a big question for, for any current coach. That is the, the sort of the, the biggest drawback right now. Yeah, that's it. And you have to wonder, okay, so how much of this is John Wildhack said, at his press conference in announcing that Dino Babers was fired a week ago today, that some donors had stepped up. Chris, you and I have verified that behind the scenes. We don't have names or, or figures, but we, we have verified that with some people that would know yep. that that has happened, right? Yep. Not that I don't believe John, but you, know, you talk to people yeah, on the front lines of this people. stuff. We've heard it from other people. Yes, we have heard from other people that this is happening. Whether it's Chesney or Fran Brown, who does that open up? What other resources does that open up for you in terms of NIL? Maybe there's somebody out there, some ones, maybe many some ones that have just, for whatever reason, and I've heard this a little bit. I've heard directly from some people that donate, that have suites at Syracuse, that 
have been longtime season ticket holders, whatever level of, of donations that you want to get into here, that have said, I just, I can't right now. I just can't. They lost their enthusiasm. It drained out. How will they be galvanized by a new coach just in general? Have they been assured? And I'm asking these things rhetorically. Have they been assured, okay, stick with us. We're making a change. Now, what kind of coach makes you say, man, I haven't donated in X amount of years or X amount of time, but I was done with Dino. Bam, blank check. Here you go. Here's my Venmo. Take what you want. I'll support you. Hiring a new coach is the primary reason you do that, Chris. It's to galvanize your donors, your alums, your fans, not to mention your football team, right? So I'm wondering, and I I haven't heard enough to like report it out or even say it on this podcast other than in general terms, but I have heard that there are some significant donors that if the right person gets put into place, they'll step up. So we've seen John Lally step up and Laura Lally step up in terms of the brick and mortar, the facilities. And the Lally Complex, that physical representation of what Syracuse needs. It's being constructed as we speak. Who is the next in line there? Who's the John Lally of NIL? It was Adam Weitzman, and we know that ship has sailed. So who's next and who will be galvanized by this head coaching hire, which at the moment appears to be Fran Brown in the lead? That's going to be fascinating to see. Yeah, and I mean... You know, just the energy around the program, I think, is a good point you you made. Um, one of the people I talked to was like, you know, you look at Syracuse, like like six and six isn't like bad by Syracuse standards. Like like they were surprised, you know, got fired, um, but they just sort of recognized like it got stale and people got bored and season ticket holders weren't showing up and people just got bored with what they felt like the ceiling was and. and and even though that's not like bad by Syracuse standards, like, you know, I don't know, people get bored. Right. And they just decide like, Hey, my, I'm not putting my money behind, behind that. Um, you know, I think Bud Elliott, uh, who, who I love on Twitter, you know, called it the, the cycle of hope starts anew for, for football <laughs> fans. And, you know, that is, that is the truth. When you hire a new coach, like the cycle of hope uh, begins again. Chris, a couple more from our uh, Syracuse Sports Insiders. I've been keeping an eye on the text line here. Like we said, things are fluid. They're moving fast. We went from three candidates to a front runner in Fran Brown. And who knows, uh, as the night goes along here in the early of Tuesday morning, what we're going to know and when we're going to know it here. But a couple more from you guys on the text line. Uh, from Mark B., who says, Brent, if Syracuse could be the northern version of the SEC, second chance you through the portal, then I'm all in for Fran Brown. I would rather have Chesney, right? I feel like Syracuse fans at this point, Chris, are just kind of taking it in and saying, as we were doing in this, on this pod, pluses and minuses of Brown, pluses and minuses of Chesney. Ultimately, I think they're just going to push their chips in the middle and, and support either guy. Uh, let's see. Nick, who... Let me just bring it up here today. Uh, Nick texts in to say, here's my daily question, Brent, and I'm hoping to make you think about this. Oh, boy. Wholesale are the top five coaches, in your opinion, who deserve to be promoted to a power five offensive coordinator. He said he loved the podcast today, and I'm asking because if Fran Brown is our guy, who do you see as his offensive coordinator? Nick, I don't know offhand that question. I need a little time to research that. It is a fantastic question. Nick asked very good questions on the text line. 
Because it's what we said, Chris. You got to build a staff, right? We know he can recruit. You got to know the budget. And you got to know the budget. So who is a budget-friendly offensive coordinator? Do you keep Jason Beck, right? Do you consider that? What were those conversations like? Who's with John Wildhack and Fran Brown? I mean, I will say, th- I will say this. Like, I've I've heard a lot of people say, like, you know, uh, you know, will John Wildhack keep Jason Beck? Like, like, like John. Like that is the next head coach's decision. That's not his like, call exactly. Like, that, like that's a coaching chance, decision. There's zero chance that the athletic director is telling the head coach like this is who your offensive coordinator is. Now, Other than Nunzio, say, yeah. Even right, same thing with Nunzio. Like, like, and uh, right. I mean, there's a reason that Fran would want to keep him. And, and sure. If, yeah. And if John really likes Jason, he might say, "Hey, Fran, I'd really like you to talk to Jason, and I, and I'd like you to really consider him and, and sit down with him." But there's no way that a head coach is telling any new any or an ad is telling any head coach you're you're keeping the oc that that's not what's happening and just going through the text one more time here chris before we end this version of syracuse sports uh james says the story in my opinion is that there's one candidate and two alternates being used to squeeze the real candidate's agent to close quickly and less expensively in my opinion they've chosen the guy and they want it finished ASAP could be the case. And Chris, we'll kind of close on this note. This is something I've heard all along. And I've even brought up in some of our meetings and and talked to you and Emily and our friend Nate Mink about, and I felt this has been the case all along. And I, I, I feel like you guys agree, but even for us, we're like, wow, this is just, this is fast. But I always felt like this was going to be done right around this time. I've been on the record of saying, look for this to be announced Monday, Tuesday, by Wednesday at the latest. It just felt like they got in early. They knew who they wanted. They went through the process. Look at the timeline. Michigan, or not uh, Mississippi State, pardon me. Michigan State, too. And Texas A&M. Those coaching announcements are coming now, right? Syracuse, just off the heels of those schools. They're getting in. Just as there's now a flood of candidates coming out there in the other schools that waited a week longer than Syracuse to get their guy. So I don't know if John Wildhack gained, how can I put this, Chris? Did he gain an advantage by getting in a week early? I don't know. Could you have gotten Fran Brown next week? Could you have gotten Bob Chesney if you waited a week? Maybe, but I, I, I do commend him for getting in the game a little early because every second counts in this thing. Yeah, and 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 if you could get him next week, well, okay. But now you're giving him an extra week to like work the portal, uh, talk to recruits. Like you're giving him an extra week to do the job. Um, that's the big so, thing. Yeah. I think you that's know, I the game changer, back. Chris. Think about this: Greg Robinson was hired <laughs> after a bowl game in late December. That feels like an eternity by these days. The portal opening on the fourth shoring up recruiting bringing in new recruits now fran brown should it be fran brown or bob chesney for that matter but fran brown knowing the recruiting ropes the way he does you he's hired tomorrow let's say as we record this on monday night you have a month until signing day that's a lot of time to get back with some of these guys you've been talking to swing a few commitments that would have went to the powerhouse program in college football even if they get a few guys that would have went to the program in college football, Georgia Bulldogs, to come to Syracuse. Like a lot of fans are going to get on board with this rather quickly. And I would imagine 
Not that he's making deals with Wild Hack or anything, but I'm sure that came up in the conversation. Here's here's who I could get. Here's here's my plan. Here's the kind of offense I want to run. Like everything. This is what you share in an interview process, especially if you've made it this far down the road. So stay tuned, friends. This is moving fast. And we'll be all over it for you on Syracuse.com. Look for Chris's great story about the Syracuse coaching job itself. We'll be reporting this out. We'll be keeping an eye on it for you. We could know who the Syracuse football head coach is on Tuesday. We speak. It's Monday night, Tuesday, the 28th. Looking pretty good that we're going to know who the coach is. But stay tuned, and we'll be all over for you here on Syracuse Sports and, of course, on Syracuse.com as well. And our Syracuse Sports Insiders. Guys, get ready. Your phones are going to be blowing up. 315-847-3895. Text the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. Become a Syracuse Sports Insider today. And thank you so much to our insiders for their great feedback, their great questions, not only for this podcast, but all along through this thing. Chris, thank you for coming on with us tonight. Thanks to our friends at Krause Health the exclusive health care provider for SU Athletics. We will talk to you again very soon, I'm sure, friends. Stay tuned.